And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you for praying tonight, church, with one another and for one another. As you head back to your seat, Nehemiah chapter 4 tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to be for a Bible study this evening. Nehemiah chapter 4. And uh, I am going to open the sermon, <coughs> excuse me, by reading the first, oh, six verses together. Nehemiah chapter 4 will eventually go through verse 16. And when you found it, if you would, stand, <coughs> excuse me, out of respect for the reading of God's word. <coughs> excuse me. Nehemiah chapter 4. In verse number one, the Bible says, But it came to pass that when Samballot, he's one of the bad guys, uh, that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite, he's another bad guy, was by him and he said, even that which they build. If a fox go up, he shall break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. We're going to talk tonight from Nehemiah chapter 4, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, a sermon entitled, When the Going Gets Tough. Father, we love you. Help us, I pray, as we look into your word now. Give us, I pray, grace to hear and to receive the truth uh, from this, your book. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Give you a little background. Nehemiah was originally the cupbearer for the Persian king. He lived there and worked in the palace. Uh, he had a little bit of a risky job, but uh, he had a pretty cushy job. And yet this man, the cupbearer for the Persian king, became a man with a burden to do something for God. Nehemiah one day heard a report of the city of Jerusalem, the city of his ancestry, how the city was in shambles and the people were in dire straits and the wall was broken down. And Jeremiah, or Nehemiah sorry, became a man with a burden, a burden for the city of Jerusalem, a burden for the people of Jerusalem, and most importantly, a man with a burden for the name of his God. As I mentioned, the city of Jerusalem was in shambles. The people were in dire straits, and God burdened this man to go back to his ancestral home and to rebuild the walls of the city so that then the city could be rebuilt and the people therein could be rebuilt as well. Nehemiah faced hard times. Now, how many of us realize that quite often in the best of times, life is tough? That in the best of times, work is hard. 
We face many things in this life that are foreseen, many other things that are unforeseen. Nehemiah and the people that we find in Jerusalem were no different. You know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the scripture is that we find people who, were, who are relatable. Amen? Amen? They have struggles just like you and I do. Charles Spurgeon said something along the lines of, God had one son without sin, but God had no sons without struggles and trials. We all go through it. Amen? And we know that even the Lord Jesus is a sympathetic great high priest. That he understands the difficulties of this life. So I want to look at Nehemiah 4, draw out some truths tonight from this passage, learn some things about life when the going gets tough. So let's talk about when the going gets tough. You know, one of the ways sometimes life gets tough is when we face disdain. When we face disdain. Did you notice in verses 1 through 3, you had this man named Sam Ballot. He was a bad guy. He heard that the wall was being rebuilt. Verse number one, he was angry and took great indignation and mocked the Jews and spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive stones out of heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even, they would, even that which they build. If a fox go up, he shall break down their stone wall. Nehemiah and the people were what? They were relentlessly mocked by their adversaries. They were called feeble. Look at these people. They're basically, to give you an analogy, they're like a wilting flower. What do they think they're doing? They're so weak. They're so puny. They're not going to make it. Even their work was belittled. Did you catch what Tobiah said? Even that thing that they build, we don't need an army to go against it. <laughs> if a small fox bumped into it, it would knock it down. And so these men and their cohorts, they mocked Nehemiah and they mocked the Jews there in Jerusalem. But you know what? That's okay. Because the things, are God, the things of God are what, church? They are foolishness to those who don't believe. How many of us realize believers still face disdain and ridicule from the world around them? You know, we see it all through the Scripture. You know, David was ridiculed, was he not, when he went up against Goliath? He was ridiculed by his brothers, and he was ridiculed by Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, verse number 28, he was ridiculed by his brother. Go to the second part of the verse, David. His brothers accused him. He said, I know your pride, and I know the naughtiness of your heart. And he accused David here of being prideful and naughty. What did Goliath say when he showed up in verse number 23? He mocked David and said, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by his gods. Oh, David was ridiculed. We remember Jesus was mocked and ridiculed. Luke 22, beginning in verse 63, we're reminded that Jesus was mocked and they smote him. Verse 64, and they, when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. 
Hebrews 11 reminds us that many saints of old were ridiculed, mocked, and disdained. Hebrews 11 verse 36 talks about how others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. Nehemiah and the people faced mocking and disdain. And Christians today are mocked as well. Go look on the national news. Google something about Christians. See what you find. They mock those of us who believe that one day Jesus is coming again. They mock us for believing that this truly is God's word. Heard a testimony recently of, uh, of somebody who asked the question, you really believe? You really believe this book literally? And the preacher answered, well, yes, I do. And my preacher friend said, he was, he, the guy he was talking to said, wow, I heard there were people like you, but I didn't think I'd ever actually meet one. You see, Christians today are still mocked. We're mocked for believing that Jesus is coming again, that this is the very Word of God. We're mocked for believing that male and female created He them. We're mocked for all sorts of things. But did you notice the response of the people? We see the mocking in verses 1 through 3, but we find Nehemiah's response in verses 4 through 6. Look what Nehemiah does. He says, hear, O God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked to anger before the wall. He said in verse 6, so built we the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. I want you to notice the response of the people. So what do we do, church, when we are mocked, when we are disdained? What do we do? I find it interesting that, first of all, I find it interesting what they did not do. They did not respond in kind. In other words, they didn't throw mean words back at them. They didn't call them names. They didn't get on social media and say, oh, yeah, you big meanie head. They didn't do any of that. They didn't respond in kind. They weren't jerks for Jesus. By the way, patient suffering is still what God calls us to. That's right. But I'm reminded of this, and I like this. Things people say, can they hurt us? Yeah, they can hurt. Things people say can't, can hurt us. But they can really only deeply harm us if we allow ourselves to internalize them. So what do we do with them? Well, what did Nehemiah do with them? He didn't respond back at them. What did he do? He took it to the Lord. Nehemiah prayed to God. He responded by giving it to God. By the way, he asked God to deal with it as he saw fit. Wrath and vengeance in my hands is not a good thing. Amen? The wrath of man, when executed by Alan Holmes, truly worketh not the righteousness of God. And by the way, I don't care who you are, you can put your name in that blank too. Amen. 
The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But guess what? Wrath and vengeance is totally righteous in God's hands. And so we give it to God and trust God to do the right thing. Amen? Amen. What did Nehemiah do? He did not respond in kind, but he did respond by giving it to God. Boy, what a beautiful truth. Church, it's good for us to remember that a persecuted people is by no means a powerless people. What did they do? They gave it to God and got back to work. By the way, what can you do to really control what other people say about you? What can you do? So if it's out of your control, why are you carrying it around? Give it to God and get back to work. Sometimes it's easier said than done, right? Because again, sometimes it can hurt. But faith allowed them to put their focus, their energy, and their effort above the ridicule. So what do we do? When we face disdain, give it to God and keep going. That's what we do. When the going gets tough, sometimes we face disdain. People say mean things about us. Sometimes they're true. Sometimes they're not true. Amen? But people say mean things, ugly things, nasty things. They mock us. What do we do? Give it to God and keep going. And keep going. When we face disdain. But... Wouldn't you know, disdain wasn't the only thing that Nehemiah and his cohorts faced. Look at verse number 7. But it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth. By the way, you want the devil to leave you alone? Don't do anything for God. You want the world to leave you alone? Don't do anything for God. But if you've decided to do something for God, you better be ready. So we have all these people, Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabians, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, When they heard that the walls were made up, they were very wroth. They were very angry and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. Hmm. Well, that kind of ups the ante a little bit, doesn't it? Now they're not just saying mean things. Now they have picked up their sword. They have gathered their friends together and they are making plans to surround the city and to forcibly destroy and stop the work. When the ridicule and disdain did not work to stop Nehemiah, like I said, they upped their strategy. The danger was real. Jerusalem had been attacked many times. In fact, the fact that the walls were broken down and the city was burned, guess what? That's because the Babylonians had attacked some decades earlier. So the idea of enemies coming in and overwhelming and destroying was a very real reality that they faced. You see, they didn't just face disdain, they faced danger. So what do we do? 
when we face danger. By the way, there still is a danger that comes with living for God. God did not call us to a life of ease and safety. God called us to take up our cross and to follow him no matter the cost. I do find it interesting how often God's people have a difficulty working together, but the enemies of the gospel seem to have no problem in uniting in opposition to the work. What did Paul say regarding the danger that we face in this world? In 2 Timothy 3.12, he reminded us that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Shall suffer persecution when we face danger. You know, we feel, or at least I do, That the idea of us genuinely facing danger for our faith ought to be something that's far away. Like this is America. How in the world could could we talk about facing danger for our faith here in America? I feel like that should be a million miles away. But I look around and I realize it's not. It's not. The way they are redefining Hate speech, it's not a million miles away. Quite honestly, saying that God created male and female, saying that marriage is between a man and a woman, saying that boys ought not participate in girls' sports, that's enough to get you arrested in Canada already in a lot of places. I'm going to tell you, we're not that far behind. We have had more people in the last five years in various communities stopped by the police for passing out gospel tracts. I didn't think it was possible in America. During COVID, the health department threatened to shut us down. I didn't think it was possible in America. Miss Tammy got to sit in on a couple of those phone calls. You say, preacher, what would we do? Well, we're going to go to church like we always do, amen? amen. amen. We're going to sing like... You remember back in COVID when the governor of California outlawed singing in church? He got to the point where he said, fine, you can come, you just can't sing. My Bible says we need to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, amen? amen. I'm not saying that everybody can't take the precautions that they feel led to take. But I'm saying my Bible still says pass out tracks, Amen. My Bible still says the truth is the truth. Amen? The gospel is what saves. It's not any way you want to get to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. And the reality is, church, that even in America, there is a very real danger in following Jesus. That if you're really going to follow Jesus, you may be passed up on for some promotions. If you're going to follow Jesus, you may not be well received by your neighbors. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're not going to always fit into the politically correct culture. There, will, there are consequences to following Jesus. But I want you to notice their response. The enemies of God said, you know what? We're going to get together. We're going to take our swords and we are going to stop the building of this wall. 
Verse 8 says, And they conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. I don't know about you, but if the whole city of Clyde showed up surrounded around our church building with pitchforks and, and torches, I'd be a wee bit nervous, wouldn't you? That's just my lack of faith, I guess. Look what Nehemiah did in verse number 9. He said, Nevertheless... We made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So what did Nehemiah do? What did he do? They gave it to God. They gave it to God. Can I control what somebody else does? Can I control the legislature? Can I control the judiciary? Can I control my boss? Can I control HR? Can I control any of that? Can I control that? No. So if it's not in my hands to control, why am I going to wring my hands over it and lose sleep in peace? They gave it to God. By the way, you know why I think they could do that? Because Nehemiah had a greater fear of God than he did of the people around him. And when we fear God like we should, we don't really need to fear anything else. Amen? When we walk with God like we should, why would we worry about anything that would come? Remember, Romans 8.31, if God be for us, you know it, if God be for us, who can be against us? By the way, God can fight better than we ever could. So what did they do? They gave it to God. They made sensible adjustments. They set a watch by day and night. They made sensible, reasonable, logical adjustments. So what do we do when when we face danger? Well, when facing danger, get to God and keep going. Get to God and then keep going. So what do we do when we face disdain? You remember that? Mocked and ridiculed? What do we do? When facing disdain, what do we do? We get to God, and then we keep going. When facing danger, boy, there might actually be a consequence to this whole living for Jesus thing. What do we do? Church, what do we do? Get to God and keep going. But the story continues. Because Nehemiah and his cohorts, they didn't just face disdain. They weren't just mocked and ridiculed. They didn't just face danger. I want you to see what else they faced in verses 10 through 12. And Judah said, now this is the people with Nehemiah. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish, debris, garbage, trash, debris from the previous walls and buildings that were torn down and burned. So that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in in the midst of them to slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which had dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places when she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Notice what happened. They didn't just face disdain. They didn't just face danger. They faced discouragement. They were in the work and they said the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. They said we have been working and we are just so physically tired. 
And they looked around and all they saw was debris and rubbish and garbage. And they said, there is so much rubbish and garbage around us. We can't do this. And even some of their countrymen that would come by them every time they would come near to Jerusalem, they would say, you know those guys that that are threatening you, they're going to sneak in and kill you. You're not even going to see it coming. Everywhere they're going to come in from everywhere. Isn't it good when your brothers and sisters and, and the Lord encourage you in such a way? But these people face discouragement. Anybody ever been there? Face discouragement? Maybe you've been working, 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 and boy, the strength of the burden bearers is just decayed. Or maybe sometimes you look around and you wonder, what good am I really doing? I'm given everything I have, but all I see is the negative. All I see is the rubbish. All I see is the decay. What good am I really doing? Maybe people around you whispering things in your ears. By the way, it's not uncommon that very often things happening within me are more difficult to deal with than things happening around me. Discouragement, despair, depression, doubt. These are very real things that we have to deal with in this life. You know, sometimes we just feel overwhelmed by the task at hand. I think of the spies at Kadesh Barnea. They went and spied out the land, and yes, it was wonderful. But there were giants there and difficulties there. And Numbers 13 and verse uh, 31, we find the report of the, the ten. They said, we be not able to go up against this people. We we can't do this. We just can't do this. By the way, if you're not careful, discouragement and despair is contagious. Because in Numbers 14, in verse number 1, we see the rest of the children of Israel, all the congregation, lift up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Why? They faced discouragement. Despair, doubt. Nehemiah and the people of Judah were tired. They were overwhelmed by the weight and the magnitude of the task. All they could see was the negative. You know, many of us identify with that. So many believers today are overwhelmed and discouraged by issues of life. There's a lot of difficult things that we face. There's a lot of garbage that we have to work through. And the reality is not only can discouragement come to anyone, but the reality is that everyone faces it along the way. But I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. Verse 13 through 16. He said, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families, 
with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the harbingers, whatever that is, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. So what did they do? What did Nehemiah do when the people faced discouragement? You know what he did? He pointed them to God. He said, remember the Lord. Remember how great He is. Remember how awesome He is. And it's a reminder, church, that, that no matter how discouraged we feel, we are not forgotten by the great God of the universe. Yeah. He knows the hairs on your head. Yes. He knows the burdens of yeah. your heart. Truly, He is the God of all comfort. Amen? Yeah. He is the God of all comfort. I have in my notes here, you are not forgotten by Him. He knows He's near and He's enough. What was their response? Nehemiah pointed them to their great and awesome God. What was their response? Nehemiah called them to remember how great their cause was. He said, remember the Lord and fight for your brethren. You know, the cause God has given us, boy, it is a worthy cause to fight, to fight, to fight and wage spiritual warfare. The cause we have been given is a worthy cause. The cause to seek and save those who are lost, that's still a worthy cause, church. To be husbands and wives that have marriages that reflect Christ in His church, boy, that's still a worthy cause. To bring up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's still a worthy cause. To love our neighbors as ourselves. That's still a worthy cause. One commentator said, isn't it interesting how Jesus told us to love our neighbors and our enemies? Because sometimes they're the same. But love, love, love. We have a worthy cause. And is it sometimes hard? Yes. And is it sometimes, or is it, are, are, are there discouraging things? We, it's not as much space there. I've got to be careful. Are there discouraging things that sometimes we have to work through? Is there garbage in this world we have to deal with? Yeah. But take your eyes off the rubbish and put them back on Jesus. If all you can see is rubbish, well, lift your eyes, brethren. He called them to remember their great and worthy cause. I noticed as well, they made what? They made sensible adjustments. Half of them worked, half of them stood guard. 
They made some sensible, logical, reasonable adjustments. But what do we do when facing discouragement? I switched it up here. Rest in God and keep going. Guess what? He's the great one. Amen. Amen. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. Rest in Him and keep going. So what do we do when the going gets tough? When we face disdain, what are we going to do, church? When facing disdain, what are we going to do? We are going to get to God and keep going. When we're facing danger, what are we going to do? Get to God and keep going. When facing discouragement, what are we going to do? Rest in God and keep going. Now, I want to point this out in conclusion. I'm going to give you some practical things and we're done. When I say keep going, that doesn't mean we never change. Because you'll notice that all throughout this passage, what did they do? They made reasonable adjustments all along the way. So when the going gets tough, let me remind you of a couple of things. When the going gets tough, it's okay to evaluate. It is okay to evaluate what is going on and how do we need to respond. You see, sometimes we want to respond in one of two extremes. And that is we want to curl up in a corner and hope it goes away. Please go away. Please go away. Please go away. Does that work? No. Others of us, what do we want to do? We want to put our heads down and we want to ram through it like a bull. Does that work out real well? No. But when the going gets tough, I'm going to tell you, church, it is a good and right and necessary thing for us to evaluate what is really going on here and what adjustments maybe do we need to make. So when the going gets tough, don't be afraid to evaluate. My wife and I are doing that. We, uh, we, we've looked at our lives over the last year. As the kids are getting older, guess what? They are becoming more independent. And they want to do more things. And they want to play these sports and go to these places. And How many of you have been there? Yup. So we looked at each other actually on Saturday. And we were like, um, is this really how we want the next five to seven years of our life to go? Where we don't have a single night at home as a family for like eight months out of the year? And we looked at each other and we said, no. That's not what we want. So guess what? We stop, we evaluate, and then don't be afraid to adjust and reorganize. Nehemiah did that a couple of times. When he armed the people on the wall, and then when he divided the people on the wall, sometimes we have to evaluate and so that we can adjust and reorganize. And that will help us get through the hard times or help keep us from harder times in the future. Let me give you a couple of other things. When the going gets tough, don't be afraid to evaluate. Don't be afraid to adjust and reorganize. Also, don't be afraid to rest. Sometimes, sometimes, just stopping for two minutes and getting a good night's sleep will help you think a whole lot clearer in the morning. You ever woke up, you ever went to bed with a lot of turmoil and woke up with a little bit of peace? Sometimes, just flat, Going to bed and getting some rest will go a long way. Don't be afraid to rest. By the way, if you think it is weak to rest, 
If you think it is uh, not, a, not a good thing to do to rest, go to the Gospels and look how many times Jesus came apart. Or how Jesus brought his disciples apart. Don't be afraid to rest. So don't be afraid to evaluate. Don't be afraid to adjust and reorganize. Don't be afraid to rest. And lastly, I didn't really get to this in the, in the scripture, but I'll give it. Don't be afraid to look out for each other. You know, as they reorganized, Nehemiah, at, at one point, if you have your scriptures open, uh, look down at uh, verse number 20. He armed them with a trumpet. And so since they were spread out over the vast wall and they couldn't always see one another and hear one another or, or know what was going on in the places of the wall, they had a trumpet. And so in verse number 20, he said, In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So in other words, guys, if you need help, if the attack comes, blow the trumpet and we'll all come help. You know, when the going gets tough, Amen. we need to look out for each other. And when we see somebody in need, I love what Brother Money said a couple of services ago. A need seen is an assignment given. So in other words, if God puts it on your heart that somebody needs some encouragement, somebody needs some help, somebody needs a visit, somebody needs a call, somebody needs whatever. If God puts it on your heart, who do you think God wants to do it? If God puts it on your heart, God wants you to do it. Don't be afraid to look out for one another. This world can be a difficult place, amen? amen? Life can be a difficult thing. We need one another, amen? amen? We need one another. Amen. When the going gets tough, we'll face disdain, we'll face danger, we'll face discouragement. But God is bigger than all of that, amen? amen. amen. And the work that He has given us to do, it's worth it. To just keep serving Him. Amen. Father.